0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back to Blue Party 101 ESPN. Let's go right to him, Jackson. I know you wanted to talk more about the magic, but we don't have time for it. Jeremy Rutherford's on hold. Morning, JR.
0: Morning, morning. Tim, how are you doing?
1: I'm wonderful. How are you?
0: doing well just getting ready for practice here Jackson talking my ear off about the NBA on yeah, the
1: line <laughs> I saw that whole thing I wanted to jump across the council and rip the phone away from him I was so pissed off <laughs> JR what in the world is going on here I mean what do we got what going on here
0: world of sports yeah I, know I mean you know this what?
1: is this is exciting you know to, to do that to the Canucks that was pretty damn good and then to go down there and play that game against uh, Carolina and gonna get a, gonna get, a, get some tests here the next three games in St. Louis before wrapping up the homestand against the Flyers I uh, I mean, what, what do we got going on?
0: Yeah, no, Tim. Uh, I think it's a a number of things. I don't think you can point to one thing and say that's why the Blues are humming right now. You can, you know, people want to say the coaching change. People want to say, uh, you know, certain players stepping up. I, I think it's a collection of those things. And what I'll say sticks out the most to me is the way they're playing defensively, yeah. and yeah. in particular. Yeah, in particular against the other team's top players. And you look at that stretch, and I know people talked about it the last week or so, uh, but uh, the Sidney Crosby's of the world, the Elias Pedersons of the world, you know, they're, they're getting nothing. Sebastian Aho, uh, Svechnikov, the other night, it's gotten to the point now where Rod Brindamore got his top players away from Robert Thomas in that line the other night, in that game the other night, and uh, Braden Shen and some other players helped out in that area. But I just think uh, collectively they've come together really well in the defensive end. Twenty five-on-five goals against since Drew Bannister took over in a span of ten games. And one of those games was the Tampa game when they gave up four. Yeah. So you could yeah. Say, you could say 16 goals against five-on-five in nine of the games. So you're below two goals a game, five-on-five. That's kind of an illustration of what they've done.
1: And then it's won over the last 125 minutes of uh, a five-on-five play because Carolina's goal is a power play goal. Am I correct on that? So you're going up against two of the top teams leading their divisions, respectively, when they played. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, maybe Carolina was in second. But either way, point being, two legitimate cup contenders and you're getting those kinds of performances. I mean, that is super encouraging. Uh, And then I sit there and I go, okay, well, I mean, if we want to go all the way back, whether it be the momentum sprung from the comeback the night before Christmas Eve against the Blackhawks, they carried that over, they beat the Stars, and then played two good games against the Avalanche and the Penguins just weren't able to get any points there, but they were were four minutes away from a point against the Avs. And then you see what you saw against the, the Canucks and, and, hurricanes and you go, okay, well, maybe there's maybe there's something here. I don't know. I just I can't figure it out. I can't handicap. This time last year, This we were about to go through that homestand where it was like, if they don't get it going here, then they're going to have to sell all those UFAs. But now, different set of circumstances trade deadline-wise because you don't have as many guys up after this year. Do you think what they have done against the caliber of opposition they've done it against recently? And don't get me wrong, they're not done. They're going to be tested here over the next five nights do you think that 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 factors into the way doug armstrong approaches this this deadline
0: yeah i think it's gonna have some impact on, on what he decides i ultimately still believe that he's not going to do anything out of the ordinary to help this team this year you know believing that it could be a second or third round team now if they continue to play like they have and they beat some of these next couple of opponents when you're talking about uh, florida and and the Rangers and Boston, I mean, if they continue to play the way against uh, these guys that they did the past uh, stretch, you know, I think there's a chance that he starts thinking, okay, well, this is a playoff team. How could we tinker with things to perhaps make it a little better? But I don't think that you'll see anything. Uh, drastic and, and Tim, you know, you looked at the January schedule and you thought to yourself, wow, how are they going to be able to handle this? I really do believe Drew, Drew Bannister set the tone, Tim, when he said, we need hard right now, we went hard, and, and the Blues have given him that. I think they've responded to his, uh, his call for that. And, and I think the other thing is this, and this is why earlier I said a collection of things. What you, ha- you often see in January when the calendar flips Players start to look at the playoff race, and not that they weren't before, but they start to see, okay, we're in this thing. Hey, we've got a stretch coming up here where this is going to make or break us, and you just start to get that type of play, team play, good defensive play, like we're seeing from the Blues right now. I think they, they see that they're in this thing. And I think it's going to bode well going into this next stretch of games.
1: Uh, you said, you know, you can't put it on one thing. But uh, there is, and, and we talked about it with both Edmonton and Minnesota and the bumps they saw after they made their coaching changes, uh, and and then having people theorize going, this is why NHL teams are so quick to the, to the trigger, because so often players feel the responsibility. I was listening to, to Braden Shen on Chris Kerber's podcast driving out here uh, this morning talking about it. it's embarrassing when you're a team and you, you you get your coach fired and that's how the Blues felt. So how much of that is the embarrassment and then the motivation that comes from it? And then how much of it, in your opinion, is what Drew Bannister has instilled since taking over behind the bench?
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to handicap. I think that, that you know, you can look at the situation 50-50 just for conversation's sake here right now, because it is embarrassing, as Braden Chen says, what the, what had to transpire for this team to get the bump that it got. Um, but you have seen a couple of those teams that got those bumps, you know, like in Minnesota, and then they just had a rash of injuries and they can't move anybody because yeah. of their money situation. So it's hard to sustain that. But you see in Edmonton, they get the bump and, and they keep it up. And, you know, is it the coaching change or is it probably the talent there that uh, Edmonton had the talent it just wasn't coming together? What I think this Blues situation is, is I think that. I still question the roster. You know, I did that when the coaching change was made. I don't know that this is a roster that you can win a couple rounds in the playoffs with, but I think that there are enough veterans on this team, good veterans, who can feel that embarrassment and and say, okay, we got a coach fired. Let's listen to what this new guy has to say. And I think Drew Bannister is instilling some of these habits that they're catching on to that are leading to good hockey. So that's why I think there's a little bit of both going on here with this Blues team.
1: The, the the developments at the World Juniors running parallel to the Blues beating the Canucks and the Hurricanes probably made hardcore Blues fans have a really nice last week or so. Uh, because even if you're going, it, ah, it's probably not going to happen in the short term for one of the reasons you just cited, the makeup of the roster, the contracts that are committed. You can get excited about what you saw at the World Juniors and the numbers that uh, the members of the Blues organization put up across the board were overwhelming so i wanted to get into your perspective on what you saw what members of the organization had to say about it and how it could impact things in the relative near future with some of those guys getting an opportunity to play with the blues so let's start with the world juniors overall what is your takeaway
0: yeah just phenomenal if you're doug armstrong if, if you're tony feltran who's their uh director of amateur scouting, if you're their staff, you could not have drawn it up any better whatsoever. First of all, you get seven prospects in the World Junior Tournament. The biggest tournament, you're talking best against best, and the Blues had seven of them, and they put up 44 points collectively, 22 goals, 22 assists, every one of them factored in. Almost every, of them, uh, every one of them scored a big goal. You get a gold medal with Jimmy Snuggerud. You get a silver medal. You get a bronze medal uh, from your prospects. It could not have gone any better for the Blues prospects. And you're talking about Blues fans being giddy. You're absolutely right about that. I haven't heard one negative thing in my Twitter feed for, you know, the last week and a half with the way things have gone both with the team and with the prospects. But how about Doug Armstrong? You know, he's been criticized, including by some of the stuff I've written. But if you look at it, big picture, uh, the coaching change so far has worked. You can look at the way the team's playing right now under Drew Bannister. It's worked. So you're staying competitive, Tim. And in the meantime, oh, by the way, look at the future with these prospects. So, you know, I think this is what Doug Armstrong has been envisioning, trying to stay competitive. It's just a matter of, you know, how good can this team be can it sustain this? And what can it do in the playoffs if and when it gets in?
1: And I think it, taking a step back, and you mentioned the uh, the content nature, perhaps, of fans at the moment, in part because of the World Juniors and certainly what's taken place against the Canucks and Hurricanes recently, is if you feel like, okay, we knew kind of going into this year it probably wasn't going to be a cup year. Who knows? But it probably wasn't going to happen. Doug Armstrong set the bar back in October with, hey, it would be nice to be the third-place team in the Central. But if you see his handiwork playing a role in the roster causing the problems for this year, you go, okay, maybe maybe they've lost it a little bit. But then you see what happens in the World Juniors, and then you can buy in, okay, yeah, maybe it's off this year, and maybe the contracts given to the defensemen have played a role in, in the, the team not having flexibility. But man, when you look at what is in the pipeline, you know that the organization has something coming and then that way they can perhaps buy in more to what Doug Armstrong is doing, leading the organization as a whole. In other words, it's a credibility play in addition to the excitement from the players.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it can be both. And I know you kind of touched on that, but let me just expand. I think it can be a, a situation where he made some, let's just call them bad decisions with some of these contracts and put this team in a situation where all of a sudden we saw last year, and then we saw that he had to go through a retool. But then once he looks at the bed he's then laying in, he really attacked it and said, "Okay, this is what we need to do to get back on track, and here's how we need to draft and acquire draft picks, trade a Ryan O'Reilly, trade a Tarasenko to get these guys who we think that can be here in a couple of years and help this team." You know, that's why you know he always talks about the 35,000 feet view, and that's what I'll try to use right now. We're in the here and now, Tim. We're talking about a team that's getting ready to play Florida. You know, how are they, they going to be able to keep this up? You know, can they make the playoffs? But if a year out from now, two years from now we look back and say, okay, this team didn't hit rock bottom. Uh, they weren't 30th in the NHL, but they were competitive. They won two rounds in 2023-24, you know, better than we thought they'd be. And, oh, by the way, here comes Snuggerud and here comes Dvorsky. Well, then Doug Armstrong will have accomplished what he set out to accomplish. So uh, it, it, everything that he's trying to do, I think it's moving in that direction right now. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, uh, but the one point I did start out making and want to finish on it doesn't i don't think take away completely for some of the contract mistakes that were made and the fact that we had to get to this point uh
1: final line of thought for you here uh, with regard to a couple of the young players uh what do you think the timelines are for guys like stuggerud and and dvorsky
0: yeah it's it's you know, I think that when you see the success, you think it's going to happen sooner than later. Um, I still think it's going to take some time. You know, Snuggerud could be here at the end of the year if he decides to, to go pro and plays a couple games with the Blues at the end. Or maybe he goes to Springfield, you know, does the amateur tryout route and, and, uh, and plays a few games in there. That's a possibility. You know, Dvorsky, I believe he can go back to uh, junior next year uh, so he could be back in Sudbury. You know, whether those two guys are on the Blues roster next year or not, I don't think that the Blues go into the season expecting much from them. I think you're looking at 18 months, 24 months before you can say that those guys will likely be on the roster and potentially making an impact maybe even another year after that. So, uh, even all this success that they've had, I think we're still looking a couple of years.
1: There he is, Jeremy Rutherford Jackson. I know you had a few questions, but unfortunately, it's ten fifty nine, so uh, those will have to wait till next Monday.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a shame.
1: Yeah, because you would have really put the put Jeremy to the test. I think.
0: Right, right. I thought I thought the analysis was good, but I could have could, added. I, I could just answer one of them real quick. Uh, yeah, Gary Payton was one of my favorite. Oh, the glove! Yeah,
1: yeah, his son, damn good player himself. Yeah, and we'll spend more time on Gary Payton's son next Monday when Jr. joins us. But for now, we've got to wrap it up because BK and Ferrario are coming up next. Thank you so much, Jr. Thanks, Timmy. That's Jeremy Rutherford with us here, wrapping up Balloon Party 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel.